brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoke and host, the good old boys. Suds, suds, suds. It's time for more suds. Welcome to another suds segment with good old boy Mike. Today we're going to be exploring end of the year beers. And with me I have my co-host, our good old boy Dave. Hello, sir. And good old gal Juliana. Hi. And good old boy John. Hello, everyone. And uh, this segment, we have uh, some very interesting beers uh, to discuss, as well as, I think, just the general um, seasonality of beers um, and availability of a lot of the beers uh, that we have in front of us. Today, our uh, Sudge ratings uh, are uh, one, that sucks, give me anything but a bud. Two, was that a belch? Three, ah, what a relief. Four, a body should really not make that sound. Listen to that hang time. So those are our Suds ratings here on Sip Suds and Smokes for Suds. Today uh, we are tasting five beers um, that are kind of considered end of the year uh, seasonals. Um, we have uh, Nice Naïs Le Chouf, or Chouf, I'm sorry, Nice Chouf, um, Golden Careless Noel, Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot Ale 2013. Uh, Grand Cru Dark Ale from Green Flash and a very special tasting of West Leader in 12. Please hold your applause down to a deaf voice. <laughs> and my co-hosts are just in dead awe that I actually broke out a bottle of this. So I want to thank all of you that have enjoyed our uh, free beer contest and giving away a pack of West uh, Leader in 12. And uh, thank you for listening and... Uh, Today we'll actually have a chance to review this beer uh, with you here on this episode. Very interesting beers for this setup. Um, and I think one of the topics that I always enjoy is, you know, end of the year beers are very difficult uh, sometimes to find in terms of availability. And uh, I guess one of the topics that I wanted to discuss here is that you do not have to think that seasonal beers always have to be consumed within the season that they are meant to be brewed in. Um, I know that uh, for many of us thinking about having a spiced hopped up monster in uh, June um, is just like a sacrilege moment. Um, But I think that these beers that we're discussing today um, ha- don't have the element of seasonality and can be enjoyed um, no matter what the season are that you uh, are currently looking at them. So the um, part of what's very difficult with seasonal beers is the way that distribution works with both international beers as well as um, domestic U.S. beers. And inevitably what happens is, is that you end up with this crescendo of a lot of beer in a very short period of time and you don't have the ability one to enjoy it or b you can afford it all Mm -hmm. um and 
um, through some of the distribution models of some of these products, you don't actually see them in the market until well after, you know, two months after they've been released. So I'm curious how the three of you kind of navigate, you know, seasonality, especially with these end of the year beers, not these beers in particular, but, you know, as you think about those kind of end of the year beers, I mean, is, is there some that you're like, wow, I would enjoy this in February? How about it, Dave? Well, I think you have to to look at each beer individually, you know, and um, do a little research. You know, um, if, if a beer projects itself as a holiday beer, then you kind of know what it is. But if, if a beer just happens to come out at the end of the year, then you really want to look at the brewery and the and the type of beer to make sure it's the kind of beer you, you're going to want to drink. Well, and, and I think that brewers tend to pull out all the stops in terms of... Uh, both ingredients, the element of craft that they tend to put into some of these beers sure. as well, and it, I think, is uh, to me, it's no, it's no different than looking at a painting. Uh, you know, to say, wow, you put a lot of time and love and a lot of heart, you know, um, into crafting that art, and you know, to just walk by it and say, that was pretty good for 30 days. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, wow. Um, if I was on, if I if I was at Christmas, that'd be a pretty good painting. You know. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. You know. But I just think it's the ultimate jack slap, though. Yeah. Um, exactly. I think to the to the artist, you know, at the helm of this, Juliana, what do you think? You know, if if it's a beer that you like, um, and I look forward to this time of year where it's a darker, you know, more flavorful beers. Not saying that summer hoppy beers aren't flavorful she was pointing to john (laughs) that's a very dirty look yeah (laughs) but i mean this is now february and we're enjoying these and i could see myself enjoying this in march and even april maybe not in the dead heat of august but you know given the right circumstances no some of these i would have in august (laughs) well yeah, the one that's now empty. But <laughs> but I mean in the you know, in the scheme of things, you don't have to categorize something just solely on the season that it comes out as. I totally agree. I I, I don't really drink beer by the season. I drink beer by what I feel like drinking at the time. Uh, it doesn't make any difference to me whether it's August or it's January. If I feel like having a stout, I want a stout. I don't really care if it's a hundred degrees outside that's not what i'm you know going for i can make it you know 65 degrees in my house i can i can just chill it chill it down in the house if i need it to be cooler yeah. when i'm drinking mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it, as far as end of the year beers go uh, the way i navigate the whole process is I, I try to be selective i try to grab beers that i've never had before or i've heard buzz about uh if you can get your hands on them um, or I would so, go so far to say that you and I share some kindred spirit that less spice is more spice. <laughs> I, I totally agree. <laughs> um, I think there's a way to get spice without putting spice in a beer. That's go. that's a, uh, the way I look at it. Please, I have a cinnamon uh, stick up my left nostril. <laughs> I don't need that. Thank you very much. Exactly. And, 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 you know, I'm not a huge ager of beers, but I will buy beer 
with the sole purpose of drinking it later. You seriously said the word agent beer in front of me. <laughs> oh, my God. He I just did, talked guy. about that. Oh, just no. a sacrilege moment. I did. I, I don't necessarily buy beer to drink it immediately, all the time. Uh, I will buy beer. I, I have what, what, I mean, you have a wine cellar. I have a, I have a beer cellar, and I put a lot of beer away, and I, I don't leave it for long periods of time. Um, but I like to let it kind of settle and age. Beers that have traditionally been better with a little bit of age on that's them. That's a that's a good point, John. Too is that um, beers that are, you know, of a certain ABV or gravity need to be aged. You know, because they almost become like wines. Um, I agree. Scotch ales. There is uh, there's know. a measure of bottle conditioning that actually enhances a lot of the quality of many of the beers that we're sampling here tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think of uh, high-gravity beers certainly can, I think, improve with a little bit additional bottle conditioning. Right. Um, that's not to say that I have to dump them out, throw them in a bourbon barrel, and declare victory that I've sure. inserted, you know, flavor by, you know, some other infusion. But there is some, there is some method to the component of bottle conditioning that I do think enhances yeah. the quality of some of these. Well, and I wouldn't want to step on any toes here in the place, but... He's not there, saying the word age beer. That's but what he's <laughs> saying. But there are certain me. people who would say that <laughs> beer is actually more complex than wine. You know, because, yeah. you know, we know what wine is going to be in, in certain varieties, but Oof. beer has a lot more variation to it, you know. And, and when you put it at a certain, you know, uh, strength, as they say, that um, when you give it time, it will really become what it's going to be. Good old boy Dave is watching me swoon. Over I know. I, moments <laughs> of every landmine that he stepped Yours were on, the you know, toes I didn't want to like, step oh on. Oh, my God. Why did it, okay, all right. How did I that get this guy mind. into my what house? Doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a very interesting topic, and uh, I'm glad that we've had a chance to sample these five beers tonight. I just, I am so excited that we get to talk about these beers, um, you know, in this segment. If they have drifted by, you know, your retailer, you know, you should just um, definitely take a moment to try these. We'll share our tasting notes with you through this segment, but uh, there are certainly other uh, end-of-the-year seasonals that we're not talking about in this segment, and I think hold some of the same characteristics of some of what we're going through tonight. So... What do we have in the lineup? It is... Um, did I go through the lineup? No. I did. I went through one, which I think I just went through one, which was uh, uh, Nice Le Chouf, uh, or Nice Chouf, uh, Golden Careless Noel, uh, Bigfoot Ale uh, 2013, uh, Green Flash, Grand Cru, um, and uh, What's the Leader in 12? <clears throat> yes, I remember. Everybody stood up and applauded last time I said that. So. <laughs> Still hear the applause. All right. Uh, so um, first up is uh, Naïs Le Chouf, or Chouf, I'm sorry. And I, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that. So um, those of you that know how to say it correctly, please drop me a line to <laughs> subsizingsmokes at g- gmail.com and just insult me and say, please shut up, you redneck geek. All right. Um... This is a very interesting uh, beer, uh, great end-of-the-year beer. They produce this every year, and, you know, it's slightly different every single year. Um, I would just, you know, their um, 
their description on the label is that it is an ale brewed with spices, thyme, and curacao peel. Um, I'm not quite sure exactly what that is. I've been to that island, that part of the world, but I'm not quite sure exactly what fruit or spice they're referring to, uh, possibly just cocoa peel. But uh, I would describe this beer as uh, rich, dark, complex, slightly sweet, um, would be some of the characteristics I would use to describe this beer. I would have this anytime, March, April, May, August, November, Wednesdays, Saturdays, Fridays, <laughs> <laughs> any of those days work for me. <laughs> so my son's rating for this is four. Uh, A body should really not make that sound. Great beer, wonderful choice. Um, I always come back to it every year, and this year has been no different. Good old boy Dave, what do you think about uh, Nice? Schiff? Well, I've, I found it to be a very complex and malty beer um, with good notes in the in the nose and in the flavor. And I I don't know that I would have it all the time just because it's so complex and so beautiful, but. I think it could be a special occasion beer for anyone uh, who enjoys good, really good beers. And I would definitely give it a four. Oh, a four. A body should really not make that sound. Cool. Excellent. Good old gal, Juliana, what do you think about uh, Nice Schiff? I really enjoyed this one. Um, in the sense of, I almost got this vinegariness of like a Rodenbach with it, which blew me away because I was expecting all the spiciness you know and that traditional yeah. heavy complex flavors john was of course he was <laughs> yes he'd already discarded it when he saw he the is word. a right. closet spice lover <laughs> but but the the little you know subtle vinegariness of it just really opened it up to me and it's a beautiful beautiful beer it is beautiful beer so what is your sud rating for this I'm in the five. Five? Listen to that hang time. Give me another. Wow. Okay. Um, good old boy John, what did you think of Nice Schiff? It's a it's a really interesting beer. I think complex is the word that I keep kind of coming to. There's so much going on in this beer that it's it, that there's dark fruit notes, there's that herbal component, and I think the vinegar that you uh, that, that Juliana kept noting. I get more like a sherry um, alcohol note Ooh, to that's it. That's a very good pickup. I um, didn't. I missed that. And you're right on. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 Most people have not had sherry. I agree. That's a very good description. Yeah, right it, there. it gets. It gets. And and like I said, it's something you don't get in a lot of beers. Mm. But when you when I when I taste it, I kind of am able to really pick it out. So yeah. uh, I liked it. Uh, it's not a beer I would drink all the time. Um, I think it's a little bit. Um, it's a little heavy for me um, for, to have year-round, but uh, once a but month I or once it. a quarter. Once a month, once a quarter would be fine. Sure. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but uh, my son's rating was a three. A three. Ah, what a relief. All right. So John's no longer admitted to the country of Belgium. But that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Our next beer up is uh, Golden Careless uh, Noel. Uh, very interesting end of the year bill. And you know, this is one of those end of the year beers that I find really changes dramatically from one year to the next. Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember there are a couple of other golden careless that, uh, I, 
uh, routinely buy and uh, or have sent me um, that have I've really enjoyed. And <clears throat> um, one is the Cuvée de Kaiser, which is the mm. uh, the King's beer. Um, it's a reserve um, that they produce every year, and uh, it's it's probably one of my top picks. You know, of, of really fabulous beers in terms of seasonal beers that are made. Um, this is not a tough step from the the beer of the Kaiser or the beer of the King um, that is made by Golden Careless. And this is uh, probably one of the better years that I've enjoyed, um, the Golden Careless Noel. Um, my tasting notes for this are uh, that I thought that it was honey sweet, dark, and just kind of a hint of spice. And I couldn't really put my finger on what spice, you know, that was really there. Um, I don't know, it was like cardamom or something that just, you know, was one of those spices that really pissed John off. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I think that definitely takes your palate and goes, hmm, that, that normally is not here, but I really like it right now. So my such rating for Golden Careless Noel is for... A body should really not uh, uh, Good old boy Dave, what do you think about uh, Golden Careless Noel? Well, I think I've identified the spice that you uh, weren't sure about. There you go. And it's uh, it's either star anise or you might want to call it licorice. Oh, okay. So and, it's either uh, anise or aniseed or, yeah. or one of those. And um, I do not like star you anise. Do. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Jaeger. I don't like licorice. But all right, um, so uh, good old boy Dave does not know that I have almost a 200-year recipe um, for Christmas cookies that include the inclusion of aniseed in them. Well, I have a package of aniseed at my house that you can have. I know. There you go. You can have it. So you are cut off from the Christmas cookie list. (laughs) I'm off the Christmas cookie list. I'm not going to send that to you, but. But there are other I, people that don't enjoy that spice. But if I did, you know, could finish, um, what I was going to say is actually this beer is drinkable even though I'm not a big fan of licorice. Huh. Um, the complexity, the smoothness of it, it really makes it okay, you know. And even though I'm not a big fan of that flavor, I do think that this is a good conduit for it. So I would give it, a three. A three. Ah, what a relief. Okay. Good old gal, Juliana, what do you think about uh, Golden Careless Noel? This is a really special beer. It, I, I mean, to me, it really is. It's special to celebrate without Dave. Yeah, from the sounds of things, Or specializing Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I love the licorice in it. It's not overwhelming. Or I guess it should be called star anise. Um, I, I love that flavor, though. And to me, that's what Christmas tends to be all about. It's not just about the cinnamon and, you know, maple flavors. It's it's about these, like, sort of interesting mixes. And I get the honey that sort of coats over the licorice before I get to this, like, Belgian candy flavor, mm. which is just really neat. Yeah, um, and, and I for, like that description. That's uh, that's that's pretty good and accurate, you know. It's it's a really neat beer. It's a gorgeous color. I, I mean, that's a beautiful dark brown, just stunning. Hmm. Um, 
Now, would I have this all year round? No. But I definitely, you know, through the winter months and like and, and fall months, I could definitely fall into winter and then winter in the spring. I could definitely enjoy this. Hmm. Yeah, for like six months out of the year. A wonderful beer. Good old boy, John. What do you think about cold and careless Noel and all the spices? <laughs> all the spices tended to tended to overwhelm my palate, to be quite honest. Oh, my um, God. Go figure. It's like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> go figure. There we go. Uh, oh my God! I'm, do you want me to do your sus rating for you? <laughs> I am slightly predictable. Um, but I, much like Dave, I am not a fan of, of licorice. And to me, this beer is is overly sweet um, and not balanced. There's a, a component missing to me. Like um, a pound of Centennial hops. Probably. <laughs> if you if you threw if you threw a pound of any hops, then you'd would, be happy. I would be happy, but I think in general it's just missing something. Um, the sweetness is overwhelming to me, and and then the licorice distracts for me. Uh, I did give it a two because I can. Uh, wow. Was that a two? That's um, nice. Yeah, I was being generous. I think. Never because be admitted to. Well, he would like to go to Belgium, <laughs> to Belgium today. Yeah. You'll be standing there in Germany just waving at people across the border. <laughs> we have all the Belgian There are Belgian, Belgian, Belgian styles I enjoy. This just this wasn't one of them. <laughs> So, be standing there with a, with a Heineken in her hand yeah. going, what the hell happened? Yeah. You know? Licorice sucks, hey, yeah. what up? You know, you know, you can throw a good bottle across the border. Yeah. All right. Oh. Keep your Jaeger. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, that definitely brings us right about in full circle on uh, this uh, train ride to uh, Belgium. Um so, uh, our next beer is uh, a barley wine, uh, Bigfoot Ale from Sierra Nevada. This is a end-of-the-year seasonal that they make every year um, at Sierra Nevada, and they actually uh, stamp this in some vintage form um, each year. I've really enjoyed uh, Bigfoot for, I don't know, probably 10 years now, um, and... Uh, this was a, a very interesting year for uh, Bigfoot. I would have to say it's probably at the top of my list of all the Bigfoot that the, that has been made. Um, in fact, I would actually go so far to say it's the best bar than one that I've had in a few years. Um, it's very good. It's just everything you think about in a barley wine. It's just very complex. Has a, a lot of flavor to it. It's a great balance of uh, hoppiness to it, um, and uh, I just thought it was a terrific barley wine. My sud rating is four. A body should really not make that sound. And I'm gonna definitely toss this right back to the hop monster <laughs> for John to talk about to get him out of the doghouse and where he can freely move about some country, at least in the great state of California. Exactly. Again, I'm being extremely predictable, but but this was a really really good beer. <laughs> Shocking. This, this the this beer has more balance in it, and I and I think oddly enough, it would actually age pretty well. I think that the hops are right now it's drinking extremely well, but I think a year from now it would drink just as well. Mm. Um, there's an alcohol warmth to mm. this one that um, would probably fade a little in a year. Um, and would mellow out and become much more drinkable even than it is now. Um, 
lots of dark fruit notes. Again, um, we're, we're kind of getting that theme with a lot of these beers is the amount of dark fruit. Um, but it's a very smooth beer for a barley wine, even this young. And uh, I just loved it. So uh, I give it a four. Wow. Uh, a body should really uh, not make that sound. Well, <clears throat> thank you, John. Uh, good old gal, Juliana, what do you think about Bigfoot? It's it's very yummy. Um, what I really was interested in, you know, when I think of a barley wine, I think of, like, just huge flavors. And the toffee at, at the beginning was just right there in my face. And then I got some hoppiness. And then I got some, like, raisiny plumminess and was impressed at how smooth each transition was. It's a very smooth beer for it being so complex. And, yeah, I'd love to see what this is like in a year because I, I can just imagine the flavors melding even that much more and being um, more intensified by then. Have either of you had the barley wines in previous years? Or the Bigfoot, I'm sorry. I think I've had 2011s. I didn't get last year's. So, uh, or, yeah. so do you recall any of the taste profiles of the previous years You know that you remember? I, I remember it being... For me, it, it seemed to be similar, but this one seems more like balanced all the yeah, way through, yeah. out of the box. That's it. They, they tend to be very um, uh, com- compartmental in years yeah. past. You'd get the 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 malt, the hop, then the alcohol, and then it would go away. Yep. This to me is all in one box, all at the same time. Right well, out of the and box. I think that that is a very accurate description, I think, of most impressions of most bar the ones that I've had mm-hmm. is that it's like this assault on your uh, palate, you yeah. know. And this seems to be uh, far more balanced. Yeah. Um, and somebody basically got the wake-up moment, or more importantly, the folks at Sierra Nevada finally figured out what was the missing moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, either in the way that they were <clears throat> the hops that they were using or the the mechanism they were using of combining these ingredients with mm-hmm. temperature to say this year I think we finally figured out what was the X factor because mm-hmm. this barley wine to me has whatever the X factor is so, yeah it's yeah. not choppy like <clears throat> years of previous yeah. yeah I mean I've only been able to uh, try out the, the 10 and 11 mm-hmm. but this is just I mean this is smooth right from the get go mm-hmm. Juliana, what's your uh, sedge rating for this? Uh, this is a four. Uh, four. A body should really not make that sound. Good old boy Dave, what did you think about Sierra Nevada's uh, Bigfoot Ale? Well, you know, I um, I completely agree with everyone. Uh, the two words I had were hoppy and clean. You know, um, hmm. the the maltiness balanced with the hop hoppiness very well. And this is one of those beers I think you can buy a six-pack if you can find it buy a six-pack and drink one a year for the next six years that's you know, a that's a good them, way of thinking about you know it. put them down in i would your do cellar. that with the weeks later in you know probably yeah. first but this would be a good, a good <laughs> you second know, yeah choice, you yeah. know because i think every year you're going to get something different but i think it's going to be good every year and i would definitely give this um a sudge rating of Four. Four. A body should really not make that sound. Well, thanks. Uh, excellent uh, discussion about that barley wine. And next up is Green Flash Grand Cru Dark Ale. Uh, Green Flash is a West Coast brewery in San Diego. Um, we've uh, reviewed a couple of products from them. Um, I know one of the things that seems to wind up you know, in my fridge every week is their Friendship Ale. Um, 
which I have no idea why, but I just keep on going back to it. It's just a really wonderful beer. Um, this particular beer, Grand Cru, their Dark Ale, I don't know that they, uh, I don't know if I would describe it as their crescendo moment at the end of the year. It seems like they have a lot of crescendo moments at Green Flash lately. A lot of great beer coming out of Green Flash. But this particular beer seemed to be <clears throat> right in the same style, the same beer as we're talking about, a Belgian dark ale uh, that they uh, came out on the market at, you know, at the same time. And I think a lot of you know, the distinction of Grand Cru says, I've pulled out all the stops you know, to bring it home um, for you with this. And, uh, you know, very interesting uh, tasting alongside of these. And I don't think that I probably would have described this uh, if I hadn't done it in a point of comparison with everything else in front of us you know, today. So my tasting notes for Green Flash uh, Grand Cru are, I think it's a deep, dark ale, um, zero hops. <laughs> um, and I just wrote down, really, this is West Coast? Because I just, I'm sorry, but... I am really shocked that somebody on the West Coast would make a beer like this. Um, and it just tells me that <clears throat> the folks at Green Flash just really enjoy making great beer and truly do not have to throw a ton of hops in to um, infuse flavor. And I think really paying attention to um, creating a rich, multi flavor. Uh, dark ale. So my set rating for this is a four. A body uh, should really not make that. So. Good old boy Dave, what do you think about uh, Green Flash Dark Ale here? Well, you know, this is something that, um, you know, when I when I drink a Grand Cru, I think of maybe Chimay or uh, Oma Gang or something, or Duvel, something like that. I don't really think of uh, West Coast breweries doing a Grand Cru. Yeah. And um, this beer could be one of those you know it could be from belgium it could be from omegang you know and um it's deep and malty and um i can taste the the yeastiness of it it's very beautiful um i would definitely give this a um a four uh, a body should really uh, not make that sound well i think that uh that's very interesting you know to recognize that yeah, I mean, this is not what I would think from a West Coast brewer, you yeah. know, in general. Good old girl, Juliana, what do you think about uh, Green Flesh? I totally, I totally agree. I mean, I was blown away. Like, when I think of Green Flesh, I think of those IPAs. And I think of those hoppy beers, which is what California is Palette known for. Palette right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hey, Appropriately Pal- named. But Palette Wrecker is awesome for what it is. Yeah. Like, totally. <laughs> But this, I've never heard a beer that's been more appropriately named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that that's very good of them. But this, I mean, <clears throat> it was so neat, and I really did not. It reminds me of um, when I went to Omegang and, and went to that brewery and and had some of those like big fat Belgian beers. I, I just wherever you ask. Yeah, thanks, I mean, that's what it reminds me of totally, yeah. and. It impresses me that Green Flash can come out with something like this. Um, but it's got, I, I mean, it hits everywhere where it's supposed to. And it's very malty, and it's the malty flavors that I would want to have. So, yes, I really dig this beer. So what's your sedge rating on uh, the Green Flash Grand Crew? 
I would be a four. A four. Oh. A body should really not make that sound. Good old boy, John. What did you think about Green Flash, Grand Crew here? Well, as, you expect, <laughs> as you can expect, I, uh, I, I am a fan of Green Flash. They're a, a West Coast brewery that loves hops, that throws <laughs> tons of hops and everything. Please hire John now. Yeah, yeah. No, really. <laughs> and, and given that, um, I would be drawn to buy this beer, um, and I would be surprised when I drank it. And I am surprised now that I like it. it it's a very balanced example of a grand crew if you didn't tell me that this was a west coast brewery i would have no clue i would assume it's a it's a rodenbach or a uh, a chimay or or another you know traditional example of a grand crew Mm -hmm. um this is another example of uh, an innovative craft brewery who's stepping out of the box of what they have to do on the west coast Mm -hmm. and doing something that's a little bit different that they just want to push the limits and the boundaries of what they can do. Um, and I think that is, this beer is a great example of that. Um, and for that reason, I gave it a four. A four. A body should really not make that sound. Uh, uh, well, um, I think that that's uh, definitely one of the <clears throat> interesting beers to throw in the mix of things. Um, to uh, We have truly gone from one side of the ocean to another and looking at uh, a lot of brewers approach and saying if i mean if i have to pull all the stops out what am i going to do man you know at the end of the day um so i like to think that that i wouldn't say it's their best their best foot forward but i think that it's one of the more interesting moments of them stepping outside their wheelhouse mm-hmm. and saying you know what sure. i'm a great brewer at the end yeah. of the day i exactly. can bring it man I don't really care what you want to call it. Well, plus, you know, also, you know, different strains of yeast are more available now, you know, and different grains are available now. So they can be more experimental, you know, and and these guys, they all taste, you know, like we're sitting around drinking all these great beers now. They also we're drinking it. beers as we're talking about this. <laughs> oh no no no! Don't talk about. It. We are. Yeah, but but you know what I mean. Why the show's like, so great? Yeah, that they all sit around and drink great beers too. You know, like dude, you know what if we took what this brewer is doing and what this brewer is doing and put it with what we're doing? You know, that's what we can make. You know, so I think there's a lot of that going on too. Mm. You know. Well, I think that brings us to the crescendo moment uh, yes. of this discussion, which is <laughs> we slitter in 12. <clears throat> Brewed by the monks. Oh. <laughs> I can't, you can't even remember how I talked about that last time. Uh, so this is just... Wow. Yeah, you know, I just want to stop and say, you know, wow. Um so, for those of you that are not familiar with this uh, beer, um, Trappist beers uh, have been traditionally brewed um, within monasteries. Um, the Weiss Leader in Ale is, uh, I think, been um, elusive for the general public primarily because of availability. Yes. More than anything else. And <clears throat> I'm not a fan of, of reviewing products that are unobtainable. <laughs> <laughs> ever um what's the point hey, guess what we're I had this it and you you'll never taste it you know um <laughs> i had the perfect wine i you know i had the perfect coffee you know i had the perfect you know beer um 
You know, and I think that uh, part of what I wanted to explore in this discussion about Wieslitterin is not just the review of the beer itself, but um, I'm really quite curious with each of you if you think that the point of supply-demand has influenced the way that you think about this beer itself. Because there's one thing to say somebody rated the beer or somebody else has tasted it, you know, as it's approached the market and influenced to say it's something. And then now today you've tasted it and you just, you know, did it hit the mark that you were thinking of, you know, itself? So I recognize that a lot of you uh, probably will not be able to enjoy this beer, um, and <clears throat> that's unfortunate. Um, part of it is just, uh, you know, the monasteries decided they have a certain measure of production they want to produce every year, that's and that's bills it. To pay. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, from their perspective, it's like we're making the good stuff and cutting it off. So. Um, so if you do happen to run across this, I, you know, I would enjoy your thoughts about uh, whether it, it fulfilled some of the elements of supply and demand and what you thought about it today for our discussion. Um, I definitely wanted to talk about what did you think about the beer and if there was some hype you know, in your mind, what did it live up to? So my uh, thoughts about uh, Wistelator in 12 is I just thought that it was sweet Belgian darkness all the way great beer um and you know it's just i i feel it's nice to be able to taste it but uh um my sedge rating for this is actually a four the body should really not make that sound so uh, i've had some beers that i thought were a cut above this but it's still it's a really great beer and i'm and i and i'm glad that we had a chance to taste it today Good old boy, Dave, what do you think about Wieselitter in 12? Well, you know, I, and I'm glad you brought it up that way about how um, <clears throat> does it make a, a beer more desirable if you can't get it, you know, or, you know, um, like uh, John has brought in some Russian River stuff that we can't get in Tennessee. You know, and there are a lot of things that we can't get in Tennessee, like we used to be able to get Dogfish Head, but now we can't. You know, or so, you know, in my travels, you know, I go to Asheville or I go to Georgia and or or we go to Bowling Green, Kentucky, or we go down to Huntsville, Alabama. Beer capital of Middle Tennessee. That's right. (laughs) You know, we go all around the state of Tennessee and we can get beers that you cannot get in this state. And all of them have, you know, certain good qualities and bad qualities. But um, this beer is very good. Um, but if someone is trying to sell it to you on eBay for a thousand dollars a bottle or something, don't buy it because it's good, but it's not that good. I mean, it's it's a very good beer. That would be me. Don't cancel your bid. <laughs> don't cancel your bid right unless now. Unless it's <laughs> unless it's Mike. Unless it's Mike at Sip Subs. You know, Sip Sub, you know, don't don't buy it then. You know, but but what I'm saying is uh. is that you know um, there are a million really great beers in the world, but you know you're not going to be able to get all of them. And just because there's a beer that someone tells you you can't get doesn't mean that it's the greatest beer in the world. And I really don't think this one is. Mm-hmm. So I would give this one a three. A three. At best. 
Ah, what a relief. <clears throat> good old boy. Uh, good old boy. Say good old gal. Juliana, <laughs> I am so sorry. What did you think of Waste Litter in 12? But I'm like one of the boys. Um, <laughs> There was a lot of hype surrounding this. You know, everyone kept saying that, oh my God, if you get a bottle oh. of this. Exactly. You know, the heavens open up and everything is crazy. And be that as it may, I did enjoy this, like, immensely. It, the flavor of it was consistent throughout. Was this something that I'm like, wow, I, you know, will save thousands of dollars to have again? Probably not. However, I mean, I'm honored to be able to be here to try this for what it is. I'm very respectful of the monks that make this. I mean, this is a really good quality beer. Is it like the best of the best ever? No. Mm. But it is a really good sipping beer. And that's the key to me is that this is a sipping beer. Yeah, definitely not uh, something that uh, good old boy Jim talks about, lawnmower beer. And and no, exactly. Yeah, you don't, you don't exactly. want to drink three pints at a time, yeah. No. But <laughs> drink one, send me two. Yeah, yeah, pretty much pretty much. But if anyone can I, I mean it is something to appreciate for what it is. It I mean mm-hmm. it is a really good beer. Good old boy John, what do you think of uh Whistleter in twelve? Um the first thing I wrote down was wow. Um it, it is a very, very good beer. And unlike Dave um, don't cancel your bids. It, it is worth buying this beer if you can get a hold of it. Um, I, I, I think demand, uh, supply and demand is a huge problem with this beer. I would love to, that. It, I would love for it to have more availability, um, mostly because it wouldn't be priced uh, in the manner that it is. Um, but it's such a good beer for the style that it is. It is the best Belgian dark that I think I've ever had, mm. and. It's to me. It's very balanced. The more I've sat here and sipped on it, the the warmer it gets, the more the alcohol kind of balances the malt sweetness. Um, there are no hops in this beer, or very little, uh, is my guess. If any, yeah. Um, and but what's in there is the, is there for a reason. There's a there's a legitimate purpose for every piece uh, and ingredient that's in this beer, and and I respect um, the people who make it, the reason they make it, and. Um, I wish there was more of it, um, mm. uh, but it's it's a great beer. I, I gave it a four. A four. Uh, Body uh, should really uh, not make this. So. And and again, I would. If you can get a if you can find a bottle somewhere, buy this bottle. Mm. It's it's worth it's worth the drinking. And if I may, one quick interesting note about this, what you had said earlier, um, before, it is. It, it like opens up really as it warms. This really isn't the type of beer that I would have super cold. Yeah. No. It just, I, I mean, the more, you know, room temperature, it just really blooms. Well, that's and, a test of a good beer. And it is exactly. How it, how it opens up as it warms, <clears throat> you know. Yeah. Always. Well, I think that that is a common uh, comment about all the beers that we've enjoyed in this segment of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, been a very interesting discussion once again, and we've really enjoyed the beers that we've shared with you today. Thank you for joining us on this segment of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. I'm good old boy Mike. 
Good old boy Dave. Good old girl Juliana. And good old boy John. We're going to ask you to keep on singing. Thanks for joining us. This has been a one tan hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your hosts, the good old boys, will see you all next time.